Jerry, I kind of dismissed you last week. Put my hands up now. I'm, I'm not saying I'm infallible the way Owen used to say it. Apology accepted. And I was like, there's no fear here. No. Teams don't fear Dublin anymore. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone main sponsor of the Irish rugby team we all belong to the team of us now then so the weekend that was in the URC was a very good one for the Irish provinces Leinster 47 to 27 away in Edinburgh Connacht also winners away from home 22-20 against the Dragons uh, to continue Welsh misery at the moment Ulster 42 Cardiff 20 that one in Cardiff and then Scarlets did come back a touch against Munster in the end it was Munster 49 Scarlets 42 we are of course at the business end of the Six Nations rounds 4 and 5 are coming at us back to back Ireland go to Murrayfield as has been well flagged and then England in Dublin to tell us more about the mood in Scotland Tom English of the BBC is with us good evening good evening Joe so uh, this is an interesting game and was uh, flagged at the yeah. beginning of the championship as an interesting game for Ireland. Gregor Townsend said of the defeat in Paris that it was Scotland's best performance of the championship. And when you consider wins at Twickenham, then at home to Wales, with Ireland and Italy to go for Scotland, they are on the precipice of what could be an exceptional Six Nations or it could uh, uh, flatter to deceive a touch. It all depends on, on on what happens on Sunday, doesn't it? Um, they have a chance against Ireland if if they if they were to beat Ireland and then beat Italy, then that's four wins, and they've never they've never managed four wins in the Six Nations before, so that would be uh, extraordinary. Uh, a lot of work to do before then for them. I don't think, although you'll find a lot of Scottish rugby fans who are loving what they're seeing from the from the Scotland team, but I, I think you'd you'd have to search long and hard to find someone who believe, believes that they will win. Everyone thinks that they can win on Sunday, Scotland. You won't find too many people, I think, here who believe that they will win. Um, but they're loving what they're seeing. The team is playing really, really exciting rugby. And I think everyone at 19-0 down um, after 19 minutes in Paris, I think everyone's saying, okay, this is this is when the fun stops, you know. Two wins out of two, first time since 1996, 19-0 down now. This is Armageddon. And yet 50 minutes later, it's 21, 25-21. So that fifth that 50 minutes in Paris, Scotland won at 21-6. And we're completely on, on top. And actually, they scored three tries in the day. They had really, really good chances to score another three. So, if you're trying to draw positives from a defeat, there were plenty for Scotland and Paris. We will come to Finn Russell in due course. So, I'm, I'm taking his name off the table for a moment. <laughs> What's been going so well for Scotland of late? Um, I think they have found carriers. Not found them, but they're certainly the carriers up front have stepped up. I'm talking Skewman here, George Turner, uh, Xander Fagerson has made a difference. Richie Gray, uh, a guy, the forgotten man. Everyone, a lot of people thought he, he he was finished on the international stage. He's come back in and given them given the line out 
a real solidity. Um, uh, Matt Fagerson, Carrier, Jamie Ritchie developing as a leader, as the captain of the team, good on the ground, good turnover specialist. That's like, that's one function of the team. The midfield has been a revelation. Jones and Tuapalotu, absolutely deadly. Working in tandem with Russell, of course, but the two of them have, uh, have been, they've taken a bit of the creative, I know we're going to talk about Russell later on, but they've taken a bit of the creative burden off, off Russell and they've actually asked questions of, of opposing defences. So it's not just about Russell anymore. It's about the two guys in the midfield and it's about this wrecking ball at wide Duhan van der Merva. So the Scottish threats are all over the place now and they look after ball pretty well. So a lot of things have come together to build uh, an entertaining team. There still is a long way to go, but and and there's the squad depth as well. The, the, the guys coming off the bench are much better than they have been in the last 20 years, I would say. Yeah, I have seen the two Piloto Jones centre pairing described as as good as any in the professional era, Scotland. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think the 1999 team under Jim Telfer midfield there was very good, but certainly in the history of the Six Nations, Scotland haven't had a midfield partnership like this. That and Tua Piloto, like he's a, he's a bludgeon and he's a rapier. He's a he's a very accomplished footballer, um, and his form has been sensational. Really, you know, he's created a number of tries. He can do it all, you know, and I don't think we've necessarily seen the best of him in terms of his line breaks and all that. He hasn't done a lot of that. A lot of it has been quite subtle, little touches, a uh, little grubber through in, in Twickenham for, for a try for Jones, um, assists here and there, linking the play brilliantly. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I speaking to Gregor Townsend on, on I bumped him, into him last week. And he feels there's a big, a, a, a kind of big performance in terms of line breaks coming for Tua Peloto to round off all the other stuff that he's doing. He doesn't know if it's going to be against Ireland, but this guy has made a has made a huge difference. Bear in mind that leading into the Ireland game last year, Tua Peloto was dropped from the squad for Dublin because he was one of the six that went out drinking um, the weekend before. So he's come a long way. Just like Scotland have come a long way, I believe. Yes. Uh, and one other point about Scotland is that it was noticeable against this behemoth French pack that they stood up to them and potentially got on top of them for a fair portion of that game in Paris. It would often be said that an Irish pack could maybe at muscle is too blunt a way of putting it, but out muscle a Scottish uh, pack. And that's what, that would stick in the mind because we don't say that about many Irish packs. Is there a bit more fight, bulk, meat in that Scottish pack this time around, Tom? Yeah, yeah, I think there is. Um, certainly in the front front row. I mean, it's a heavy, that's a big, heavy front row. And it's a mobile front row. Pretty dynamic. Um, I, do, I think maybe in the last 10 minutes, Scott, in Paris, Scotland got out, got out muscled. Certainly in the last five minutes, okay. they got out muscled. And that was eventually, that's why the, the losing bonus point got away from them. Um, just before that, about 75-minute mark, there were still four points down. They had a line-out around halfway and they coughed up the line-out. Now, had that ball gone to hand, I think they would definitely have got a losing bonus point and they may even have won the game because 
the thing about this Scotland team, yes, they they seem they seem more physically robust, but they're dangerous anywhere. You know, it's so from halfway uh, on the front foot in Paris, you'd be thinking Russell might come up with something here. Tua Peloto, Jones, Van der Merwe, give him the ball, and anything can happen. Yeah. So I, th- I think they f- they certainly feel that, that that was the one that got away. But they are like Ireland. I think Ireland the ult- the ultimate test, obviously the ultimate test for everyone now, um, of Scotland's creativity. Can they break down Scotland's defence the way they broke down France and Wales and England? And physically, can they live with with Ireland the way they lived with France and bettered them for for a large part? And certainly lived with well dominated Wales and held their own against England physically. So that's the on-the-pitch picture. As ever with Scotland, the most interesting stuff is behind the scenes and off the pitch. Uh, (laughs) And that's where I really want to lean into your sense of what's going on and your expertise. So you mentioned, for instance, Tui Pelotu is one of those six players who goes out and then doesn't play in Dublin. And I would say at that stage, looking in from afar, the general refrain of Irish rugby pundits when it came to Scotland was, these are jokers. They don't have discipline. There's something culturally rotten. They win a game and it's champagne out. Look at us. And then they're flaky. That would be the uh, very ungenerous uh, version of events. So I'm curious what's happened over the last year. And and in particular, I'm looking at, for instance, Finn Russell dropped from the November squad. Now, it, it's mm. worked out beautifully here for Townsend because he got to drop him and also keep him the way injuries fell. But Russell dropped and captaincy taken off Hogg. Two of the yeah. players, two of the players who perhaps led the charge on that night out and were setting a certain example as senior players. So I'm guessing here, and you can fill in the blanks, has there been like a almost uh, these two uh, leading senior players have been uh, disempowered somehow? And the younger generation are now uh, setting the standards and leading by example. And, and Russell and, and Hogg are more a uh, part of the scene as opposed to leading the way. Um, no, I wouldn't say they've. Uh, they have been. Um, they're less lesser forces in the squad. I wouldn't say that at all. Um, I think they've probably grown up a bit. Certainly, Russell. He's be- he's become a father now. He's a dad now. Um, and I would give Townsend an awful lot of credit here because there's been numerous eruptions between the two of them since uh, 2020. Um, as you said, the most recent one was November when Townsend, he picked three tens in his 37 or 39-man squad and Russell wasn't one of them. He picked Ross Thompson of Glasgow who played half an hour to that point. That's this season. And said that he was in more. He had more form and consistency than Russell had, who's playing quite well at the time for Racing. Then subsequently played extremely well for Racing. So that was that was just not tenable, right? Yeah. Um, and that and that just that blew up in Townsend's face. And I remember having a couple of post match after the, the first couple of November internationals in 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 Murrayfield, having a few testy exchanges with with Townsend post match about where's Russell when you're bringing him in. And Adam Hastings got injured in the second one of the November internationals. So he obviously needed a 10 for the third one, uh, which was New Zealand. Um, And Townsend said, 
yeah, Russell is um, among the ones we will consider. And we're going, hang on. What do you mean among the ones? Hmm. So, you know, and looking at that, I was thinking, I'm not sure there's a way back here. And what do you think was going on there? What Gregor Townsend in his private moments, if he was asked, Mm. what's the number one reason you've been this guy from the squad? What do you think that is? Russell did not play well in the Six Nations in 2022. It did not play well at all. And I think the communication between the two of them hasn't been great. It's, it's a million times better. It's a world away from what it was. Uh, I just think he didn't maybe trust him. Uh, maybe he thought that Russell was trying to kind of uh, dominate the environment in terms of game plan, in terms of my way or the highway, Gregor. Maybe Townsend felt a bit challenged by him um, within the team environment. There'll be elements of truth about all of that. Because the one thing that's not true is it was the stated reason that he that he was the fourth, effectively the fourth best uh, out half in in Scotland. I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous, right? Um, so everyone was searching for reasons, and that's what kind of we alighted on that okay, the relationship it's it's in a bad place again, uh, and this is the third. I was the third, maybe the fourth kind of moment of turbulence between them. And I was thinking, even I was thinking, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's, there's coming back from this. Yeah. Um, uh, but they have. And, you know, it's to, it's to both of their credit. You know, Finn, when he came out and, uh, after the first one in 2020, he did an interview in a newspaper and he eviscerated Townsend. He, I mean, he absolutely lambasted him. And at that point, we're thinking, wow. Townsend is going to have to, if he takes this on the chin, he's done well. He did take it on the chin, soaked it up, changed his ways a little bit. Then there was another one. Then there was another one. And somehow they've managed to get to a place where when they talk about each other, they're like the Chuckle Brothers now. I mean, it's 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 incredible, really. Um, they found They found this place where... Townsend can have his input, and he has he's had much more of an input on the, on Scotland's attack um, this this season than he did than he did last season. But within that, and Townsend has been accused of being a bit of a control freak. I think he stepped back from that, and he's allowed Russell his place more. But Russell has also maybe not been as my way or the highway. So the, the, the somehow mm. by accident or by design, they've found a happy happy medium. So interesting. Touch a good fortune about it that the injuries happened when they happened and Townsend effectively had to bring him back in. Because one, you get him back in and he's obviously their best out half. But two, Russell knows that Townsend was serious. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, Russell wants to play in another World Cup. The last World Cup was a nightmare for Scotland. Um, he, he, He desperately wants to play for Scotland. Um, and even when people were saying this relationship is not going to work out, there was always the hope that that carrot of a World Cup, Six Nations, winning more caps, was going to bring him back to the fold, and it ha- and it has. Um, and sure enough, when he comes back in against New Zealand, he was immense, you know, absolutely immense. Yeah. Um, and since then, the relationship has been excellent. Uh, uh, Russell's form has been good. I thought, I mean, 
reading the stuff, some of the stuff from the English papers on the England Scotland game, I thought, and actually some people within the Scotland squad thought that he was getting nine out of ten and ten out of ten in the old match ratings. You know, actually Russell played really well for about ten or fifteen minutes overall in that game. Second half against Wales, unbelievable, and pretty much for most of it against France. I mean, he was it was Russell who who led the comeback. Um, he was just he was outstanding. One of the, one of his best performances for Scotland was that France performance. One of the reasons I use the word disempowered talking about Russell and Hogg, and I do take your more nuanced uh, uh, version of events. It's not simply that, but the reason I, I was thinking that has been the uh, captaincy. So Hogg was the captain 2020 to 22. Yeah, uh, he would often uh, talk up the potential of this Scottish team in a in a big way. At times, his performances were then uh, lacking, and then he was part of that group that went out. And Jamie Ritchie, age twenty six, the new breed, is made captain. And yeah. again, Gregor Townsend, in the grand tradition of well, we can't believe a word you're saying to us publicly. He said this was to relieve the burden on Stuart Hogg. Stuart Hogg did not see it that way. He saw this very much as a downgrading of his, his status. He was not happy. So Hogg and the captaincy, what's your sense of what's happened there? I think uh, after the Ireland game in Dublin last year, when the, the drinking stuff had come out, there was a press conference afterwards at the Aviva and and Hogg was truculent, um, kind of evasive, hugely uncomfortable. And I think there was always a sense that that after that he was going to lose the captaincy. He was not going to go to Argentina for the summer tour. Um, and maybe that was the time to shake things up a little bit. I think it was a good decision to take it off him. Um, he hadn't been playing great. I think he loved being the captain and campaigned to be the captain. And you could say maybe that was a bit of ego, maybe a lot of ego. Uh, but he was a senior player. There weren't too many contenders. Um, and he got it. He wanted it, and he got it. Uh, and I think it was time to take take it off him. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if it was. I'm sure it would have, it would have been painful for him, but also maybe an element of relief too. Right. right. Um, because I think the whole captaincy thing, while it agreed with him for a while, when things started to get tough, it he, he kind of took it a bit personally. And he's very very proud and we can take the mickey out of him and I know a lot of people in Ireland take the mickey out of him but he's incredibly incredibly proud player and and when he was frustrated you could see it I mean, he, you could see his emotions are written all over his face you know so I think since they took the captaincy off him I think he's played solidly for Scotland um, I still think there's more in him but I think it was a good decision for Townsend because you need to you need to move on. Richie is younger. Um, Richie is a kind of hard edge. Uh, doesn't give a toss about his image. Um, he's a nice guy, but he doesn't. You're never going to see him in 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 society magazines, you know. Um, he's uh, he's just that no nonsense kind of old school rugby player. He's as close as I'm not saying he's in the same league. Um, but I think he's got potential, but he's kind of like that Peter O'Mahony type, mm. you know, tough as old boots, uncompromising, stick his head into, into anything, will to win through the roof. And I think that's what Townsend wanted to, to get to. And I think it's actually been a relief 
for Hog. He's going to win his 100th cap at the weekend. Um, and uh, I think uh, it's probably a sore one for him to lose it, mm. but probably a blessing in disguise. Okay. And in fairness, not everyone can hold court in society magazines like yourself, Tom. So that's... Uh, well, yeah. Joe, I think, you know, you have a bit of that in you, yourself. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, good, looking, good looking fella like yourself. Oh, I'm fraying. I'm fraying around the edges. And that's not to say I agree with your initial... Uh, but, but listen, the, the, whole, the, the, whole hog, the whole hog thing, right? And the whole Scotland thing. And it, this came up again last, last week. It's like, what is it about some people, some people in Ireland that constantly accuse Scotland of being uppity ah, yes. and arrogant when they're not. Do you know like, it's, I'm, it's, li- it's, I'm living here for 18 years. I can promise you they're the most pessimistic group of rugby fans you will find anywhere. That's interesting. It's more actually, so this uh, blew up a touch in my world uh, last week when Andy Dunn was on. Yes, and it was Andy, Andy's comments, yeah. Andy reckoned that there's a simmering inclination on the Irish players part to put the Scottish players back in their box a little bit and he reckoned basically quoting here Ireland will go and do a right number on Scotland at Murrayfield and mm. and so that perceived arrogance was something you picked up on I think and, and you might have thrown the yeah. clip out to Twitter and then yeah. I had a weekend of really angry responses from people who had Scottish flags in their avatar which <laughs> really appreciated so thank you for that uh, Anytime, Joe. I, I actually would think there's no sense that the Scottish rugby public are arrogant. Far from it. I think that that uh, humor, yeah, humorous pessimism is, is, is would be the order of the day. I think there's been a sense that a lot of the Scottish players carry themselves as if they've done a lot in the game. They talk the talk. They win a game and they start really talking the talk. And then, and there's nothing wrong with talking to talk, but then there is uh, a fall and they let everything fall apart and, and, or, or the work rate isn't there you know like t- you talk about Hogg and Russell so some of the work rate on show in last season Six Nations was like borderline but, disgraceful but, but, and well, so I, I think the Irish pundits look at Scotland and think too much talk and they've no right to talk given what they've achieved but, but where is the evidence of all this talk give us give us some examples of Scotland players talking the talk uh, it's more I, look I can't um give you dates but you see, that's, and that's times. The point, though. I can't that's give you dates point, and times. But I can't give you dates yeah. and times. But definitely yeah. over the last couple of years, I'd have a I'd have a real if you go back and listen to a lot of the um the Six Nation preview shows that like the BBC will do or or you know those kind of things. Uh, there's a fair bit of like we've got all the talent in the world. This, you know, this Six Nations no, we're going to deliver. No. I, I think there's a there's a vibe of that, you know. There's, there's, there's not a, there's not a, there's never been a sense of we've got all the talent in the world. If when Hogg was captain, he'd be routinely asked at the start of the Six Nations, uh, "Do you, do you, do you think this could be a big year for Scotland?" Yeah. Uh, y- yes, I do. What is he supposed to say? No, we're hopeless. We're crap. We're making up the numbers. Uh, I, like I, this, yeah, that's a, know, that's, is, that's a fair point, right? And there's, mm, there's a degree mm. of like, there's no doubt that. Irish would be pundits are just kicking the pinata here because there's a degree of fun about it. But I, I mm. suppose if you're to be ultra picky, maybe you say, "Oh, look, you know, talk is cheap. We all we're thinking about is the next game. Boring, boring, boring. Go to the Leinster Media School and uh, come back to us. You know that kind of a thing." Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but look, they're, they're pro- it probably is a touch. The characterization characterization of of Scottish rugby is like super arrogant. That could be a touch unfair. I think I like. I think it's not. I think it's just completely bonkers. Right. 
Um, and it's and it's the the only this is the the only place you you hear this from is in Ireland mm. towards Scotland. Do you know England it, don't do this? France and Wales don't carry on like. Do you know when it started? Just, do you know when it started? Right. I can almost pinpoint mm. when it started. I bet my life on this because I remember at the time it caused a bit of a ripple. Ronan O'Gara, when he was freshly retired, yeah, yeah. He, he was on RTE's panel, and right yeah. before kickoff in a game, he uttered lines to the effect that they're full of talk and I think yeah. Ireland will put them back in their place and like you know get a reputation for getting up early in the morning etc yeah ab- absolutely but again and I remember that I remember Rog coming out with that and absolutely scratching my head going okay what have I missed here where's where's all this arrogance do you, it does like it doesn't ex- do you it's, think it's the, almost do you think the Irish players have, have seen it in the Scottish players behind the scenes somehow like it was quite a pointed O'Gara moment I, I look. I don't know what players would say to players, mm. but I would doubt very much the Scotland team that have won nothing since 1999 are going up to an Ireland team that have won a lot for club and country. Going, you know, show us your medals. None of the Scottish <laughs> players have any medals to show them. So, so that scenario doesn't ring true to me yeah. at all. You know. Uh, I just, like I just I think every, a lot of people in Scotland, most people in Scotland, are just at a loss to figure this out. Yeah. As a, as a as a rugby country, the punters are their feet are cemented to the ground. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. And, think, I don't think it was ever the fans. It was never the fans. Yeah. But he, but even but even the players, even the players, mm. um, they've been through some hard times, you know. So, but it's almost like. They win two games in a row for the first time since 1996 in the in the championship, and it's like, you know, a few people think like you're not allowed. You're not allowed to kind of celebrate the Scotland. You're not. I mean, you know, Scotland players are allowed to dream a little bit as well. You know, um, and I think, I think there's been over here. There's a feeling that Ireland has got a bit arrogant. Yeah. With all the success. Yeah. And the one time. The last time our Scotland beat Ireland obviously was 2017 in, in Murrayfield, and and it wasn't oh Scotland played well. It was the bus was late. You know, uh, Joe Smith, famous our bus was late. I was at that press conference and I was mortifying. Um, Sorry, how, just, how, in fairness, how are we meant to perform if the bus is late? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and okay. Joe, with all with his meticulous planning, how could Joe Schmidt's boss ever be late? Yeah. I mean, you know, come on, come on, Joe. Uh, so there's a so there's a lot there's a lot of that. There's uh, like everyone in Scotland would look to Ireland and as the template and be scratching their heads. How in the name of God have Ireland done all of this? The teams are Leinster and Munster, Ulster to a lesser extent, um, won the trophies. The international team, the conveyor belt of talent. They look at, at Ireland with a sense of awe. Oh, my God, imagine being like that. Imagine winning European Cups and Six Nations Championships. There's admiration there, but coming, they feel like coming back from certain parts of Ireland, certain mm. parts of the media, is this kind of mean-spirited stuff, you know, mm. and these accusations mm. of of arrogance and uppity Scots. Where I'm telling you, it's it's in my experience. Yeah. Of of many many years living here and being around the rugby scene, it just doesn't exist. It's fair to argue with you. It's very fair. I think there is a slightly 
derisory, arrogant attitude heading the way of Scotland from this rugby country here, yeah? Yeah, and like, um, yeah, like I've, I mean, I've, I've seen it, I've heard it. Um, now, Ireland, obviously, deservedly, rightly, be incredibly proud of, of what we're doing as a country, but you, I don't know why people feel the need to put down Scotland. I mean, I just, I don't get it like, you know. Yeah. I, 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 I just re- don't get it. Fairly or otherwise, I do think Hogg and Russell as the faces of the Scottish international team who flatter to deceive and attract a huge amount of attention and publicity and nines out of tens because he does something flash, but then the four intercept yeah. passes, uh, the thing implodes. I think it's more about those two than almost anything else. I think they are just seen as the exemplars of everything that's flaky. High, so is it the high profile and have done nothing? So is it the is it the media's portrayal of these two people? Yeah, that per, perhaps, but equally rather than the people themselves. Perhaps I see. I don't have a great feel for them uh, mm. as people, so it could be a touch unfair. It's it's the it's the media profile, and it's then what they've done on the pitch. Because Russell last year, I, I remember on Virgin. Uh, Shane Horgan's like disgusted watching Russell not track back. Yeah, against France, that was that was disgraceful, and uh, and, 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 and and that was part of it. That was part of the of our, as I said earlier on, he played very yeah, poorly yeah. in the Six Nations last year, and that that so it, you know so added to the problems. That, yeah. that particular incident, and he highlighted it, and it was it was a horrible incident from Russell. So, so I think Just, I think that that moment married to Racine hanging out in La Defense, look at my yeah. skills. There's a degree of actually. They're prioritising what's not important. And it, it is more Hogg and, and Russell than most. I like, I don't think anyone in Irish rugby is like, geez, Jamie Ritchie has some neck in him. I don't think it is that. <laughs> yeah, if you say that, I'd, 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 I'd run away very quickly if you were mm. to say that to his face. Um, yeah, OK. Um, Hogg has won a European Cup and he's won a premiership with, with Exeter. Um Russell has won nothing. He's won a Celtic League or whatever it was called back in the day with Glasgow. Uh, so he's won nothing in his career. Uh, I get that. Like, I get, and I get why, say, you know, Sexton, why Sexton, Russell was picked ahead of Sexton, actually was probably more bigger, was picked ahead of Sexton for the last Lions tour. Mm. Um, but people going, what, what, you know, Russell, what's he ever won? Sexton, like Sexton should have gone on the Lions tour, right? I know there was injury stuff. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe they're holding that against Russell that he was picked no, and Sexton to, wasn't to, for the Lions tour. To, to be Is fair, that part of it? no, I don't think so because like Russell was really? the only good thing about that Lions tour, and he was brilliant. So yeah. you you could like in some ways, I think that Lions tour in a lot for a lot of people, they looked at Russell and said, "Wow, like, I mean, this this guy's the real deal and has matured." And like with Hogg, I mean, it it probably doesn't help that it, it's against Ireland of all teams. He drops the ball when he's going over the line, and so that sticks in the memory a touch. I'm by the way, because before this yeah, ends up ruining my life on social media, I am not defending this. I'm trying to work gone, through this with you. I'm, I'm trying to just <laughs> tease this out. I, I I'm listening to you, and I think to be fair, yeah. I think I think it probably is a little OTT, and it's become like a cliche and. In Irish sport, perhaps like uh, Scottish rugby, that's how we pigeonhole the last but the, decade. But yeah, like the, the last twenty something years, all, all, all the way from two thousand onwards, Scot Scotland rug, Scottish rugby has failed, right? Dismally, mm. international stage, it's been a dismal failure, and everyone will say that they've never been in the hunt for a Six Nations, ever, not once. Mm. 
Um, looking at that and go back to Hogg, Hogg is one of the record try scorers in Scotland. He scored a lot of tries for Scotland, largely in a failing team. Mm. Uh, largely when the creative burden rested, if not exclusively, then largely on his shoulders. So he was huge responsibility on him. If Hogg didn't play well, this is before Russell came along, before some of the other cavalry came along in the back line. If Hogg didn't play well, Scotland didn't have a chance. So as a young guy, yeah, uh, and I'm cutting him a lot of slack here because he's played, I know he's had high-profile cock-ups against Ireland. Of course he has, right? Um, and people will criticise that, oh, he's, maybe he's you know a bit of ego. I don't know. I, I think that's over, way overblown. But the guy has played exceptionally well for for Scotland over many years. He's about to make his 100th appearance. And I think it's really, really unfair to look at his career and say, oh, I remember when he dropped the ball over the line in the corner in Dublin. I remember when he made this mistake, when he made the, that mistake. He's been in the team for a decade. No, agreed. And I'm, look, I'm, I, I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm almost agreeing with you and I'm saying it's unfortunate for him that moment happening against Ireland. So something like that yeah. lingers in the mind. And then something like, geez, a leader of the team, the captain of the team, and he's out on the sauce in the middle of the Six Nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you're, yeah, and so I yeah. think people look at that and say, well, yeah. that's not really what it's about. Irish players don't wouldn't do that. And so yeah. they would look at that particularly harshly. Totally. I t- listen, absolutely. And I and I um, I broke that story, much to the chagrin of the <laughs> of the players involved. And some of them, I don't think, will ever forgive me for it. Yeah. Um, but, but but that was that was awful. It was awful. It was after the Italy game, which was the penultimate game of last season. Six Nations. Ali Price had made his fiftieth cap. They came back to Edinburgh from Rome, and six of them went out. And Hogg, the captain, was one of those. Unforgivable, absolutely unforgivable, ridiculous, stupid decision for him to do that as a, as a senior player. Um, and he, you know, he just shouldn't have done it. There's no defense for that. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no defense. And yeah, look, he'll have to, he'll have to, he'll have to live with that. Um, but it's how you bounce back, I guess. Mm. You know, and he's playing, he's playing pretty well at the moment. That's, I don't think he's firing on all cylinders, but I think he's playing, he's playing pretty well. I would say um, this as a, as a final um, point. Quite a few, like, quite a few of really good Irish pundits for a lot of the last number of years at the start of the Six Nations would say. Scotland are the dark horses here and they would see Scotland have a lot of good things, you know, so it's not this total write off, actually. And I would presume what tends to make its way over to Scotland is the more negative stuff. But I mean, Andy Dunn could have said 15 good things about how Scotland have improved, but still said, I think Ireland will do a number on them, for instance. So there's and, and from the beginning of this championship, round four in Murrayfield has been circled by everybody yeah. as the really tricky tie much harder than England coming to Dublin so it's you know you're probably getting the more headline stuff to be fair I don't think it's a total write off it, 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 it wasn't no no of course not yeah but I don't think and Andy and Andy's I love listening to Andy um, but it wasn't I don't think it was him saying that Ireland he thinks Ireland will do a number on, on Scotland. Ireland could well do a number mm. on Scotland. They could the best team in the world. Mm. Um, they could do a number on anybody right now. It was put them back in their box. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, it was kind of pretty arrogant, dismissive, kind of almost personal way of, of saying it. It was kind of odd. And also, 
you know, when I, you talk do, about... Do you know how I interpreted talk, that? Do you know yeah, how I interpreted that? Yeah. I interpreted that as Scotland are playing much better. They have won a Twickenham. Mm. They backed it up. I mean, how long had it been since Scotland won two games in their own the Six Nations, you know? So that... Never. Well, exactly. And that spoke of a certain what's going on with this group at times. Mm. But so they backed it up. Really good performance in Paris. And I think what Andy was getting at was before this lot get too much momentum ahead of a World Cup game, let's just put them back in their box and dent their confidence and, and try and really inflict a bit of psychological damage on them. Well, that, that would be different. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a different context. Yeah. Well, when I say they haven't won two, they've never won two games. They've never won their first two games in the 60s. First, they have won first. two games in a row. Um, and that, but that, Joe, that's different. You know, that is, that is a diff, completely different context yeah. on it, the one you outlined there. No, I, like, I do think you're right, though. I think there might have been a bit of, let's put them back in their box, <laughs> the way you took yeah, it initially. Yeah. And like, you know, the scouts are going, Just, what have we done? Like? <laughs> 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 what do we do to deserve this? Like, yeah. the, and, and, and the expectation, you talked about the expectation before a lot of Six Nations going back years, people talking about Scotland as a potential dark horses. Very few people in Scotland, pundits, are talking about Scotland as dark horses right. going back many years. It's all of this noise is on the outside. Right. And it's like, and then they said that outside pundits in Ireland, England, wherever, uh, it's, oh, Scotland could be dark horses. And then Scotland fall in a heap and they go, ah, oh, look at that. Typical Scotland. Mm. You know, mm. you build them up and then they, the fall stone. And everyone in Scotland is going, hang on a second, you know, you, you over, it was overblown what you were saying right. to begin with, you know. Um, Interesting. This team, this team, and I'm not making, I'm not making any great claims for this team for Sunday, because Ireland are just, just exceptional. But Scotland are definitely, definitely improving. Last year was a horrible, horrible year for them. Previous two years showed progress. Last year was, last year was awful on many different fronts. Mm. But they've put the wheels back on the bike again. They've had two wins. And a really good performance in Paris, frustrating. They, they could they could have won that game. They created an awful lot of chances that they didn't take. But they came out of it with a lot of positivity. And they'll be hopeful, hopeful against Ireland. You know, don't want anyone anyone to think, um, Jeez, you know. The arrogance. You know. The arrogance. <laughs> yeah, Get over it, he's, 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 he's looking at me, he's one of them. Let's uh, clip he's, it. It's like he's never he never spent a day, day, day in Limerick. Look at him. He's become yeah. one of them. The, head, no, the, the I, headline of this will be English, Scotland by 10. <laughs> Turn, turncoat English writes off Ireland. Yeah. Um, no, uh, I think Ireland would win the game. Um, but I have very, very high expectations that it will be a magnificent game of rugby. Oh, listen, I, like same here, same across the board here. Like mm. genuinely, I think Andy Dunn, you, you saw Jerry Thornley's reaction. He wasn't nodding along thinking I agree with you. That was, that was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Jerry kind of thought, geez, steady Andy. So Andy, Andy's a, a touch more out in his own there, you know. So, um, But I take the point on, on Scottish perception of, of Irish punditry. That's very interesting. And like I would listen, look down the years, Andy Nicholl and now John Barkley, I mean, are the antithesis of arrogant. You know, they're great. Yeah, they're very, they're very honest and they're rooted in reality because the reality of Scottish rugby and this team over 20 plus years has been pretty grim, yeah. you know? Um, and there's a little bit of sunshine coming through the clouds now, but everyone, you know, everyone is very, very realistic mm. that 
Sunday, Sunday could go wrong. And if like if 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 Scotland win on Sunday, then everyone's going to go, "Whoa, okay, now this is this is different. This is new territory. We've never been here before." Yeah. Um. But let's see what happens. A very last question, and this has been a really interesting chat on the on the point of Irish Scottish relations. Mm. Is the perception that the Irish rugby team is arrogant? Is it the Irish rugby media or is it the Irish rugby pundits? Um, certainly not the team. Um, uh, not the public. Scots rugby public and the Irish rugby public get on like a house on fire. Yeah. Um, I just think it's it's certain pundits periodically popping up. Um, Matt Williams would be one of them. Good old friend of mine. Um, but there'd be history there, obviously, baggage with the whole... He was obviously Scotland coach previously and wasn't great, to put it mildly. Um, so anytime Matt talks about Scotland, then, uh, well, mostly, to be honest, mostly people will ignore it. Um, but the odd time, the odd time, he might uh, he might say something that might catch fire. He, he, he might, I, but I, I think, in fairness, I've been working alongside him for five years now. I mean... Scotland also need to prove him wrong. So he's, oh, in, he's, in, he's entitled to make a lot of the points he makes. The evidence is there as well. Totally. Scotland, Scotland, I mean, I keep going back to it. Scotland have failed for 20 plus years. And when you fail for that amount of years, it, it, for me anyway, it, take, it takes an awful lot of convincing before I start believing. Hmm. And two wins and a, and a, and a good performance at Paris is, not, is nowhere near enough. Yeah. To start to start believing, it's not, it's not nowhere near. There's really good things, and this team I feel is the best te- Scotland team I've seen in 20 years. Yes. I, I feel that, but they have to go and prove it. No, um, sure. So, so, so there's certain there's, certain pundits from Ireland, just certain pundits. Yeah, yeah, just certain pundits. Do you want to give us your top and, five, or is that? Ah, uh, no, no, no. no you get me into all get me into all sorts of stuff. And you could, listen, you could equally say that. You could say, look, um, you know, just wise up Scotland, you know, just yeah. ignore it. You could. Of course you could make that point. But um, I think when they feel like they're being talked down to by and, and, and you know, miscategorized or mis- misrepresented. Yes. Yeah. Uh, their tendency is to is to fight back, you know, okay. um, and say, you know, this is this is nonsense. And why is it always Ireland? Why don't England English pundits or Welsh pundits or French pundits? Why don't they ever say this? Nobody ever says this about Scotland, apart from s- s- selected people in um, in Ireland. And you could say, "Look, get over it." And I think that's a fair argument as well. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. We are pretty much out of time. Enjoy the game Sunday. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Joe. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Tom English there of the BBC with us. Our rugby coverage on Off The Ball is with thanks to Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. We'll be focusing more on Ireland on Wednesday Night Rugby. Monday Night Rugby on Off The Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.